are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Genesis chapter 22, if you'll turn there with me. Genesis chapter number 22. I'm not going to repeat what Brother Cooper told me to do, but he said preach the uh, what's coming down out of you. So we'll try to do that. But uh, I was going to tell a joke, but I'm going to try to get you out of here as quick as we can. Genesis chapter 22, and let's turn on over here and uh, we'll look at verse number one. Genesis chapter number 22. I do want to say quickly what a blessing and a privilege that it's been to be here. And I am so thankful for the opportunity just beyond words. And uh, it, it just is a tremendous, tremendous privilege to preach with some of my heroes. And uh, just hardly doesn't seem real, but I appreciate Brother Treber and all the graciousness of the people here. And uh, just what a blessing that it is to get to be here in this place. Genesis chapter 22, and let's look here at verse number one. Heavenly Father, please now bless the preaching of your word. Lord, these are unusual circumstances, but I just pray, God, that you'll please use the message today. Give me the words you'd have me to say, I pray. Anoint me with your fresh oil. And Lord, if it be your will to stop this weather, we'd appreciate it, but we want your will to be done. I pray regardless, though, that you'll move today in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 22 and verse number one. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Very familiar story here, and I'm sure probably only a father, especially one that has an only son, could truly begin to imagine what Abraham must have felt like as he took this beloved son, his only son, up that mountain. And thank God we know the rest of the story, how God did indeed provide that ram caught in a thicket. And of course, it had a double meaning. God will provide himself a lamb. But I'd like to bring your attention here to that four, uh, to four words in verse number seven. As Isaac was walking up there, he asked his father, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? In your mind, if you'd fast forward with me nearly 400 years to a little boy in Egypt on a night kind of like tonight, but a night where they'd already had plagues of lice and plagues of locusts and plagues of frogs. The water had already turned to blood. They'd had plagues of, a plague of hail and a plague of darkness. And it, they could sense the judgment of God. They could sense the foreboding in the air. And a little boy, a little Jewish boy, had a little lamb that he had raised just from the time it was a baby. It was like a pet to him. It was like a friend to him. And I can picture as that little boy comes to his father that night in Egypt and he says, Father, I went out to the pen to look for the lamb. Where is the lamb? 
And his father says, son, I had to take that lamb because tonight the judgment of God is coming across the land of Egypt. And tonight the death angel is going to come and you being the firstborn, if I don't take that, if I didn't take that lamb and kill that lamb and take the blood and put it on the doorpost of the house tonight, you would be killed. But son, I know you missed the lamb, but as long as the blood of that lamb's on the door, you're going to be okay. If you'll fast forward just a few years later, actually about 1,500 years later, picture with me, if you will, a Jewish boy as he's walking with his dad out into the wilderness. And they're going out by the River Jordan. They've heard there's an eccentric, rugged man that's out there and he's wearing camel skins and uh, he's cracking open locusts like a Cajun at a Louisiana crawfish boil and dipping them in wild honey and eating them. But the main thing he's known for is he's out there baptizing in the River Jordan. And they've heard that he was out there and they go out there to where he's baptizing. And as they get close, they look up and they see somebody else that's walking by the River Jordan. There's really no beauty that they should desire him. He's not a particularly good looking man, but there's something about him whenever they see him. And then they look over and they see this preacher named John the Baptist as he points at that man. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. If you will, fast forward with me now about three years, three and a half years later, that same boy goes to Jerusalem. And this boy, as he's walking with his dad into Jerusalem at Passover time, he's never been able to forget, it's still etched in his memory, what that man looked like that John the Baptist called the Lamb of God as he walked beside the River Jordan. And as he's going there into Jerusalem for the Passover, he asks his dad and says, Dad, it's been three and a half years. Now where is the Lamb? He's heard stories about a man that had worked miracles, but he says, Dad, where is the Lamb? Where is that one that we saw by the River Jordan? And as they get closer there into Jerusalem, they begin to look up and they hear a commotion and they see a sight like they've never seen before. It's a man who's barely distinguishable as the same one they had seen by the River Jordan. His face is so marred more than any man. The beard has been ripped from his face. There's a crown of thorns that's been pressed down on his head and his face has been beaten and bruised and battered and the blood is caked on his face and continues to run down. His body is mutilated from the whipping with the cat of nine tails. And suddenly here's this little boy, here's the crowd cry out, crucify him, crucify him. And he watches in horror as this one that they now realize is the same one that John the Baptist said was the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. They look up and they see as they nail him to the cross. And as he's there in the middle of the day, it becomes dark. And he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For six hours he hangs on that cross. And as that boy looks with tears flowing down his face, he says, Daddy, there is the Lamb. There is the Lamb. And he looks at him on the cross. And after six hours, the Lamb looks up and he says... Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. When he does, somebody comes running. They said, hey, something's happening down at the temple. That veil that would separate us where we couldn't get in there. Nobody was allowed to have access in there. They couldn't go in there. That veil's been ripped from top to bottom. There must be something about that lamb right over there. Must be something about him. The next day, I can picture as that little boy, he didn't sleep at all the night before. And as he's walking by Golgotha with his dad, again, the horrible memories from the day before are still on his mind. And he looks up there and he sees that empty cross that's still sitting there on Calvary's hill. And as he walks by and he looks at that cross, he says, Dad, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? And then just a couple of days later, as Mary Magdalene and some of the other women come to the sepulcher and they're bringing spices to try to anoint what was left of the lamb to anoint his body. 
Mary Magdalene comes and she sees the stones rolled away. She sees that the tomb is empty and there's an angel sitting on either side. She's blinded by her tears. She can't see too well. There's a glaze of tears over her eyes. But as she turns around, she looks and she sees a man that she thinks is the keeper of the garden. And she says, oh, please, where have you laid him? Just tell me where you've laid him so I can go and find him. In essence, what Mary was asking is, where is the lamb? And suddenly he spoke and said, Mary, and only the lamb could say her name like that. And she realized, as the old song says, there rose a lamb in Jerusalem. And that lamb up from the grave, he had arose. Forty days later, the disciples went out to a, a mountain where they'd been appointed by the lamb himself. And as they stood there right before their eyes, the lamb ascended back to heaven. And as they stood there looking up into heaven, an angel stood by him and said, Hey, this same Jesus that you saw, that lamb, he's coming back just like he said he would. But then now, 2,000 years later, in a world that's racked and ravaged by sickness and by corruption and by political unrest and upheaval, by persecution and by division and chaos, no doubt many today are asking, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? We don't see him. We can't see what he's doing today. Where is the lamb? I'm so thankful that the word of God gives us the answer where the lamb is today. First of all, could I tell you this morning that the lamb is seated on the throne. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and in verse number one, Hebrews chapter 10, I'm sorry, verse number 11, the Bible says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Over in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 1, the Bible says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Verse 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Hey, listen, I, we don't know for sure who's in control of the country, but we know who's in control of the universe, don't we? Hey, the Lamb is not dead. The lamb is not gone. He's just as alive and well as he was the day Mary saw him and the disciples saw him on that mountain. He's still alive and well and he's still taking care of his people and the economy and the virus and everything else that goes on politically. He's not worried about it at all. He's got everything under control. The lamb is still sitting on the throne. I'd hate to be a Buddhist today because the Buddhist can't say Buddha's in control because his body's still in the grave. I'd hate to be a Muslim today because the Muslims have to admit Muhammad still in the grave. I'd hate to be a Mormon today because the Mormons have to admit Joseph Smith's still in the grave. I'd hate to be a Catholic today because the Catholics have to admit Mary is still in the grave. I'd hate to be a communist today because they have to admit that Stalin and Mao are in the grave. And one day every political power player and every religious leader will be in the grave. But thank God the Lamb is going to be alive and well forevermore. Thank God. The lamb is seated on the throne. He's in control today. It may seem like we've lost control. We had no idea what we were going to face. It may seem like everything's spinning out of control, but God has not lost control for just one second. The lamb is seated on the throne. Let me say this. Where is the lamb? He's soliciting praise. He, he's soliciting praise. Revelation chapter number five and verse number six. Listen to this. Revelation chapter number five and verse six. And I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. 
And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And it's made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. Hey my friend let me tell you something as the name of Christ is blasphemed in this world as the name of Christ is aligned in this, maligned in this world as the name of Christ is ridiculed and his people are persecuted as the name of Christ is drugged through the mud let me tell you what's going on in heaven and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying holy 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 Lord God almighty which was and is and is to come oh listen the modern church tries to make God into some kind of a, a, cool, a cool hip dude to hang out with hey he's not just some kind of a cool dude he's not big daddy he's not big papa he's not the man upstairs he's a holy God a thrice holy God that stepped out on nothing and said let there be and it was so he's the God that parted the Red Sea for Israel he's the God that sent manna from heaven he's the God that sent water from the rock he's the God that brought the walls of Jericho tumbling down he's the God that brought Goliath down with David's sling he's the God that shut the mouth of the lions for Daniel he's the God that walked through the fire with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego he's the God that so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life hey that's who the lamb is today he's not just some historical figure he is worthy of all the praise he alone is worthy there's no preacher worthy of praise there's no politician worthy of praise the only one that's worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive praise where is the lamb today hey he's saving sinners he's saving sinners first peter chapter one verse number 18 says this oh listen here first peter chapter 1 18 for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Oh, listen, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I'm thankful today I didn't get saved by being baptized. I didn't get saved by going to church. I didn't get saved by being a good person. I got saved by the blood of the lamb and that's the only way anybody's ever going to get there. Oh, listen, I was raised in a preacher's home. I'm thankful for my godly dad. My dad was a preacher. My papa was a preacher. He raised us on the front row of the church, but I was going to the same hell Adolf Hitler's in and Saddam Hussein is in and Osama bin Laden is in. Oh, I'm here to tell you something. I was still lost in my sin. I'd never drunk a beer. I'd never smoked a cigarette. I'd never cussed. The only cuss words I knew were gosh and golly. I mean, I had never done any of that. I never committed adultery, but 
the truth is I was lost in my sins, but I thank God for that night. Uh, just five miles outside of Fordsville, Kentucky, at Sugar Grove Bible Baptist Church, as a young boy, the lamb stopped by my, my pew and the Holy Spirit convicted me and he took me off the road to hell and he put me on the road to heaven and he took me from darkness to light, from heaven to hell, and I've never been the same and I thank God I've been saved by the blood of the lamb. Oh, listen today, I, I remember I was reading, uh, there's a church over in Norway and this church has a, uh, you may have heard this, this church has a lamb that's etched close to the top of the tower of that church. And they said the story is that some workmen, some carpenters were working on that church. This is a true story. One of the workmen lost his grip and he fell off. His fellow workers thought, oh my, he's got to be dead. And so they came down off the building. And when they walked down around there, they were expecting to find his mangled body laying there dead. But instead, they found that not only was he alive, he was barely even hurt. And what had happened was at the very moment that he had fallen off that building, there was a shepherd that was walking by with a flock of sheep. And a lamb had come walking underneath that building. And the very moment that workman fell off that building, the lamb was walking through there. And he fell on that lamb. And the lamb was crushed. But the man was saved. Well, aren't you glad that the Lamb of God was crushed for us? Aren't you glad He broke our fall? Aren't you glad He saved us when nobody else could? He's still saving souls today, my friend. Oh, listen, He still hasn't lost any power. The coronavirus hadn't put Him out of business. There's nothing else that's put Him out of business. I mean, somebody else may occupy the White House, but He's still up there, and He's still able to save every single one that'll call upon Him. Oh, where is the Lamb? Let me say this. He's soon coming again. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I'll tell you that the Bible is so true. It is so true. In 2 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter number 3, he said this. He said, this know also... Let me get over there so I don't misquote it to you. But 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Well, they're not continuing as they were now, are they? We see things speeding up all around us. I'm telling you, all this stuff that the world thinks, what in the world's going on? If you know this book right here, we know exactly what's going on. I mean, it's just like the fast forward button got pushed last March and things are racing to beat 60 toward the coming of the Lord. I mean, you think about how easy and how quick it would be if Jesus came back today, everything's ready for the Antichrist to take over. All across this land, there's signs up on businesses, masks required for entry. You just change that one letter from an S to an R, mark required for entry. You don't even have to imagine hardly. I'm talking about all the digital health certificates that's coming. They're already talking about putting a certificate in your hand and all that kind of stuff. Brother, listen, that stuff was science fiction just several years ago, but now it's here. It's reality. Jesus could come back today and it's a blessed hope. We're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There was a certain man that had a little boy and the boy would miss him when he was gone for work. And this man would leave and the boy was too little to be able to look at the calendar and know what date his dad was coming back. But his dad told him, he said, son, here's how you'll know when I'm coming back. He said, when you look outside right now, the leaves are green. But he said, when you see the leaves starting to change colors, when they start turning to yellow and red and orange, he said, you'll know your daddy's about to come back. 
And oh, listen, that little boy would watch those leaves and one day he would look out there and he'd see those leaves as fall came on. He'd see those leaves beginning to turn colors and he knew his daddy was getting ready to come back. Oh, when I look around at the world today, we could get depressed if we wanted to. We could get down if we wanted to. We could say, oh, things are so bad if we want to. I choose to say, I see the leaves changing. I see my lamb is coming back pretty soon. It's not gonna be long now and we're gonna be seeing him. Where is the lamb? He'll be sitting in judgment. He'll be sitting in judgment. Oh, in Revelation chapter number six and verse number one, listen what's gonna happen after we're out of here. And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. Verse 15, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Hey, there's a judgment day coming. I tell you, I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of those coming against God's people. There's a judgment day coming. Can I say, Mr. Jerry Nadler, that said the will of God is of no concern to this Congress? There's a judgment day coming. Can I say, Chris Cuomo, that got on CNN and said Christians, Christians need to sit down and shut up? There's a judgment day that's coming. You better get right with that lamb or his wrath is going to wipe you out. There's a judgment day coming. There's a great white throne judgment that every one of those that don't know Christ as their Savior will stand there and they'll hear him say, depart from me. I never knew you. But let me remind you and I today as we're sitting out here in this kind of weather, the truth is we're going to stand before the Lamb too. We're going to stand before him too for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What are we supposed to do to get ready for it? You know, none of us had any idea what was coming. This time last March when we were over there in that building uh, hollering amen and hooping and hollering and having a great time, we had no idea what was coming, did we? But did you know the Lamb wasn't caught by surprise a bit. He knew exactly what was coming and he told us what was going to happen. In fact, right over here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You know, these people that think that they're pulling the wool over everybody's eyes, these people that are uh, instituting all the, implementing all these things, they're deceiving people, but the truth is they don't even realize they're the ones being deceived. All they are is just a marionette dancing on the string of the big master that's trying to bring in the one world government to get ready for the Antichrist when we go out of here. They're deceiving, but they're being deceived. So people say, well, man, it's getting worse. I thought things would get back to normal. I thought things would get better. The truth is, if they got better, then the Bible wouldn't be true. It said toward the end times that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. We're just seeing the Bible is as up to date as tomorrow's newspaper. They're going to get worse. So what are we supposed to do? The very next verse, he said they're going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Hey, as things get worse, are we supposed to just sit down under a table somewhere or under a couch or under a bed somewhere and say, oh, but even so come Lord Jesus. Are we just supposed to cower down and say, just leave us alone and we'll leave you alone. Oh no, we're supposed to continue in the things and so much the more we're supposed to do what God's told us to do. Hey, listen, if we're going to stand before the lamb and give a good account, we better continue in the word, continue in the word. The very next verse says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, 
for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Hey, it's time to continue in this book. Joshua said, uh, God told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Thy words were found, Jeremiah said, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. The flower fadeth, uh, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Hey, we got to continue more than we ever have in the word. Job 23, 12, Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Boy, I'll tell you, those of us in Tennessee know something about necessary food. We know something about unnecessary food, don't we? I mean, I'm telling you, some members of our church own Slick Pig Barbecue, just a couple minutes from our church. Brother, I'm telling you, I don't know what's going to be served at the marriage. Speaking of the lamb, I don't know what's going to be served at the marriage supper of the lamb, but Slick Pig is going to cater it. I mean, if you're a vegetarian, you ought to be the first one kneeling in the, in the rain down here at the altar, brother. But this, uh, man, they've got hickory smoked wings. Hickory smoked wings. that I mean, they win awards every year. Brother Tony and Brother Andrew know what I'm talking about. Man, they've got a fried bologna sandwiches out of this world. They've got sweet tea you could pour over your pancakes since Aunt Jemima's canceled. I mean, this place is where it's at. But did you know, I have esteemed this book more than Slick Pig Barbecue, brother. And that's saying something. We were talking last night about Bell Buckle Cafe down close to where we live there. There's uh, Bell Buckle, Tennessee. They have the RC Cola and Moon Pie Festival there every year. Little, little old town. It's about like going back in time 100 years. They got a cafe there. They bring out these little fried biscuits and uh, powdered sugar and honey. You can dip them in honey. And uh, they have a peach cobbler there. It's dangerous. One man died a couple weeks ago. He got some on his forehead and his tongue slapped his brains out trying to get it. I mean, it's, it's a good place, but it's dangerous, brother. But let me tell you what the Bible says. Hey, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I get pretty excited about some Bell Buckle Cafe, but I get more excited about this book right here. Hey, this book will keep you straight. We don't need to change it. It doesn't need to be rewritten. It needs to be reread. I mean, we used to preach against the NIV. Now, the, I guess the hot thing now is the ESV. Did you know the ESV is a transgender Bible? Over there in Colossians where Paul said, greet Nymphas and the church which is in his house. Did you know in the ESV it says, give my greetings to Nympha and the church in her house. Turns Nymphus into a woman preacher, a transgender Bible. I don't want a transgender Bible. I want the one I got saved with. I want the one my, my dad has preached and my papa and my pastor's preached. Hey, there's never been nothing wrong with this book. It's seen thousands of souls saved and it's going to keep on seeing thousands of souls saved if we'll just preach it. When you stay in this book, it'll keep you on track. If you start reading a bunch of blogs and listening to a bunch of podcasts by people that are ashamed of their heritage, hey, listen, it'll get you off track. Listen, believing the fundamentals of this book right here is not a disease where we need to recover. Believing the fundamentals of this book is a direction we need to discover and we need to just keep on it and stay on it until Jesus comes back. Stay in the word. Continue in the word. Hey, we need to continue in walking with God. Acts chapter number one. 
Verse 14 says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Brother, I'll tell you what, politics won't change. What protests won't change? Prayer will. God's not worried about us social distancing with him. He said, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Oh, listen, friend, John R. Rice said all of our failures are prayer failures. If we're worried about what's going on instead of complaining about it, let's get on our knees and go to the one that can do something about it. I mean, listen, these are discouraging times but we still serve a God that's able to hear and a God that's able to answer prayer. And he still said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We got a big God. We got a huge God. We've got a God that can do the impossible if we'll just go to him and make all of our requests known to him. Continue walking with God. Hey, we need to continue in worship. Continue in worship. Acts chapter number two and verse number, uh, Acts chapter number two. And verse number 46, let me read this to you here. Acts chapter two and verse number 46, here's what the Bible said for them to do, or here's what they did do in the early church. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, in the temple. I don't know if they had masks on or were social distanced, but they were in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. It's been said before, but I'm going to say it again. Church is the most essential thing on planet earth right now. If somebody ought to be able to go in a gas station to buy a donut, they ought to be able to go in church and hear the word of God. If somebody can go in Safeway or Publix or Kroger or Walmart to buy some kind of groceries, they ought to be able to go in church and hear the word of God. I'm here to tell you something tonight, this morning. Hey, listen, church is essential. More than we need gas and more than we need groceries, we need God. And we need to be in the house of God. Continue in worship, man. That word worship is been so perverted today. The Bible still says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Hey, if it's not holy, it's not biblical worship. I'm talking about, we need to get back to worshiping God and stay faithful in the house of God. I heard something a few weeks ago. It said that 67% of churches were still closed in America. Is it any wonder in the last year that communism and Antifa and BLM and all them have got a death grip on this country? Hey, while churches were taking a year off, the devil never took a year off. The forces of evil didn't take a year off. Hey, continue in worship. Continue in the house of God. You can live without the ball game, but you can't live without church. You can live without the family reunion, but you can't live without church. Hey, you can live without going, uh, going on vacation, but you can't live without being at the house of God. Hey, uh, Hebrews 10, 25, last I checked, was still in the Bible. We got a guy uh, at our church was talking to another man, hadn't been there in about a year. He said, man, when are you going to come back to church? He said, well, we're not supposed to tempt God. I didn't know obeying God was tempting God. Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 25 still says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You'd have to be blind in one eye and can't see out of the other not to see the day approaching. Brother Jesus is coming back and he's coming soon. We're not supposed to have less church. We're supposed to have more church in these days. Continue in worship. And then how about this? Continue in witnessing. Continue in witnessing. Mark 16, 15, I think it's still in the Bible. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts 1, 8 still in the Bible. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, he said. The power was a promise because the commission was a command. God still wants us to be a witness. Did you know God still wants to save everybody? There's a lot of guys need to quit reading Paul Washer and read Paul the Apostle. 
where he said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 1 Timothy 2, 4, that he will have all men, all men, all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. Hey, what about Hebrews 2, 9? That Christ should taste death for every man. What about 2 Peter 3, 9? That God is not willing that any should perish. You ask them, say, how could it be the will? How could God create somebody to go to hell? They say, well, that's just the will of God. Hey, not my God. My God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hey, we got, you don't become a Calvinist by reading the Bible, friend. You need to read the Bible again and realize he said, whosoever will, let him come and take the water of life freely. And then if we're going to be prepared to meet the Lamb, we need to continue in the work. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Hey, I appreciate those that are delivering supplies during this time. I appreciate those that are delivering mail. When they do deliver mail, we still aren't getting ours right. They stopped delivering fake ballots several months ago. I don't know what's holding them up now. But I mean, I appreciate those that do those kind of services. But the truth is, there's no work on earth that's like the work of God. It's the greatest work on planet earth is the work of God. Nehemiah built the wall in 52 days because the people had a mind to work. God came to Zerubbabel and said, Be strong, O Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, the son of Josedek, and work, and work. I like what the old black preacher said. He said, Get the Lord in your heart and get a tool in your hand and then pray and work and then work and pray and then pray and work and then work and pray. And when work won't get it, prayer will. And when prayer won't get it, work will. And when neither work nor prayer will get it, just forget it because you don't need it anyhow. Hey, listen, God moves through prayer and He moves moves through work. Just work, just work, just work. Just go back home and let's just keep on laboring until the trumpet sounds. Keep on going. When the trials are hard and the battle is hot and the race that you run takes more strength than you've got, when it seems your endurance is put to the test and many around you have decided to rest, just take one more step and stay in the race and the Spirit of God will give you the grace. Even though you may stumble, don't fall down and die. Just around the bend, the finish line is in sight. Thank God we know where the lamb is today. Let's trust him. Let's serve him. Let's love him. Let's look for him. Because I remind you what's going to happen. He's still in control. Revelation chapter 17, verse number 14. I love what it says right here. These shall make war with the lamb. And the lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Brother, I'm glad that I've been chosen. If you trusted Christ, you have been too. God chooses those that choose him, brother. And I mean, if you've chosen him as your savior, he's chosen you. And you, if we're faithful, oh, listen, let me tell you something. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's going to be good to hear if we'll just continue. Revelation 12, 11 still says this. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto the death. Many of you may have heard this. It's one of my favorite stories. Brother Lee Robertson told it. The, fellow, the director of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes told this story about a guy named Bill Carraway. He was an athlete, football player for Georgetown University. He never made the first string. In fact, never hardly saw the field at all. But the last game of the season came, the biggest game of the season. It would be the last chance, and the, uh, it'd be the last chance that Bill would ever have to get in the game. So he came to the coach named Lou Little. Before the game, the night before, he said, Coach, would you please just put me in for one play? That's all I'm asking. Just one play, would you please put me in? Coach Little said, I'll do what I can. So the next day, boy, they were battling it out. And at halftime, Georgetown was behind by three points. They came back out of the locker room and 
couldn't seem to get anything going. And Bill saw the clock ticking down. He said, man, if I don't get in soon, I'm not going to have a chance to play. So he put his helmet under his arm and he began to walk back and forth in front of the coach trying to be seen. Finally at work, Coach Little saw him. He thought, what do I have to lose? So he sent Bill in the game. The first play, Bill took the handoff from the quarterback and ran 40 yards downfield before they jerked him out of bounds. Man, the people went crazy. The stands went wild. They said, who is this guy? Where's he been all year? The next play, the clock was ticking down, just seconds left in the game. Quarterback took the snap and dropped back to pass. Bill Carraway broke loose from his defender and ran like a scared deer down the field. Just before he got to the end zone, that ball nestled into his arms as the quarterback had spiraled it through the air to him. And he fell into the end zone and won the touchdown, won the winning touchdown. The place went wild. I'm sure they carried Bill on their shoulders to the locker room. Coach Little came up to Bill in the locker room. He said, man, I've never seen a man play that was so possessed like you were today. Why in the world? What got into you? He said, well, coaches like this. He said, my mom died when I was born. And he said, my dad only had two wishes for me. That was to get a college education and to play football. He said, coach, my dad was blind. He'd never been able to see me play. But he said, my dad died just a few days ago and he's in heaven now. And I knew that today would be the first and last chance he'd ever had to see his boy play. He said this, he said, coach, I had to succeed with my dad looking on. Hey, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, looking unto the Lamb, the author and finisher of our faith. There's a lot of heroes of the faith that are watching us, but most importantly, the Lamb is watching us. We got to succeed with the Lamb looking on. He's going to come back soon. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.